Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. John chapter 5. Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays. Everybody say Pentecost. So this is on Pentecost. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was a pool of Bethesda. Everybody say Bethesda. With five covered porches. You remember that? What's five? Five, the number of grace. All right. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, lay on the porches. And one of the men laying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, said the sick man. For I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Everyone say this with me. Say, I have no one to get me into the pool. Someone else always gets ahead of me. So we see this man that is crippled on the side of the pool that can't get to where he needs to get. So Jesus tells him this. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk instantly. And one of the things that I love about this story is Jesus actually doesn't even tell the man he's healed. He just tells him to get up. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Now picture this scene with me. It's Pentecost. Now, Jerusalem at Pentecost is packed. It's slamming. It's a party. Things are happening. People, you know, if they had TVs, they were tuning in. If they had social media, everybody was hashtagging Pentecost in Jerusalem, right? Everybody was checking in. It was a big scene going on. It was a party atmosphere. Everybody was partying, partying except for these people that were hanging out under porches by this pool at, called Beth- Bethesda. Now, the word Bethesda means house of mercy. Everybody say mercy mercy or, or house of kindness. And these were these were pools that were there that were in the city and they were covered by these um, kind of pergola type things. These these porches where they would stay away from the elements and these guys would just sit there. And there was a theory. And if you will read your Bible on your Bible, there's a little footnote right there because verse four isn't there. All right. Everybody see that in your Bible? It's, verse 4 isn't there. It goes straight from verse 3 to verse 5. Why? Well, because whenever we got the Scriptures, there was, there was an urban legend. Let me read verse 4 to you. This is what verse 4 says. It shouldn't be in your Bible. It says this, An angel of the Lord went down at a certain season into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring of the water, stepped in was made made well from whatever disease he was affected. Now, we know that this this man that was impotent could not get to the water, and he even said that when the water stored. Now, you say, well, why did they take that out? Why did they? We're not supposed to take words out of, the, out of the Scripture. So the reason why this was removed is because a lot of people thought that this was true. But this wasn't true. It was kind of an urban legend that people thought, hey, if we get into the water, because when the water bubbles, it's a pool, right? And so maybe a spring-fed pool. So when they saw this bubbling, they said, oh, an angel's stirring the water. Let's get to it. And they were all like kind of mystified by this water. And they were, uh, they were fascinated by this event that happened. And they thought, if I can just get into that water right after it bubbles, if I'm the first one, I'll get healed. God will heal me. 
And so this man sit there. We don't know how many years. We know he was sick for 38 years. He was thinking, if I could just get into that water right after it bubbles, I'll be healed. Now, what we do believe about this this pool is there were probably some healing elements in the water. It was kind of like, have you ever been to one of those natural springs and it smells like sulfur? Have you ever been to one of those? Um, we went to one uh, years ago. I want to say about eight years ago in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. Um, you know, if I couldn't live in Texas, I would live in Colorado and Pagosa is a beautiful city and Pagosa it's called Pagosa Springs because they have these springs there. And so people come and they, they go in, and it's not, it's not nasty. It's awesome because the water's warm and it's, you know, it's kind of moving and, it, but it smells like sulfur. Like if you've ever, anybody ever been? In fact, if you go to a spring like that, you have to like wash your clothes for weeks because your clothes smell like sulfur. And these are public pools, so people don't get naked. Praise the Lord. And so it, but it has this, this smell. So I, I think that probably these pools were similar to a spring like that. When we were at the spring, um, Leslie and I were there, our kids were with us, and we saw this, this little girl that was there and she had had her head shaved. She was probably about eight years old and we could tell that she had probably, you know, had cancer. Or she was getting chemo or something like that and she was in the pool. So Leslie and I were, were in this pool and, uh, and just we're kind of working our way, you know, in trying to have a conversation with these people because we really wanted to pray for this little girl. And, um, and we found out just by conversing with them that they had actually moved to Pagosa Springs to be, to, to be closer to this spring so they could receive the healing from this water. And not to say that there's not some healing things in that water, but, but our, my heart just began to break because this is kind of a common occurrence that people go to these places because they think that, that maybe they get healed. And I'm not, I'm not arguing the healing properties that are in the water. I think that there probably are some things that will benefit you. And so we just, this little girl that was eight years old and we just, Leslie actually, which is totally, usually it would be me that initiated it, but Leslie initiated it and we just prayed for this little girl and, and try to keep up with her uh, the best that we could. But I believe that this scene in scripture was very much like that Pagosa spring. It was a place where people thought, man, if I can just get in that water at the right time, then, then whenever I leave the pool, I'll be healed. And I think a lot of times in our lives, we live life like that. Like we have hope that in something of the natural, whenever Jesus can give what we need supernaturally in a moment, we're putting all our investment, all of our hope into this thing. And I'm not judging anyone for those things. But what I am saying is there is a greater hope than some pool that a quote unquote angel stirs once a year. And this was all this man had hoped for. And we see this in what he says. Even when Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? He begins to make excuses for why he's not better. This is what he says. Let's look at what he says. Jesus asked him, would you like to get well? And in verse 7, he says, I can't, sir. I mean, no, can't, never could do anything. Come on. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me in when the water stirred. In other words, I'm dependent on the pool. I'm dependent on the people. Then he says, someone else always gets there ahead of me. There's not enough resource. There's not enough healing for me because someone gets to the water first. This man was a victim, a legit, a legit victim, right? I mean, I, I, I have compassion for this man. I'm like, here's a man that's been sick for 38 years. I would probably be at the pool also. Anybody else? I'd be, so I'm not, I'm not judging him, but, but we look at this man and he begins to make excuses on what he's, why he's not healed. 
Are you with me? He's playing the victim card. Now, he was a victim. Legit excuse. But listen, we, just like this impotent man, so many times lay victimized when we depend on four things. The first thing is when we depend upon people. Come on, we depend upon people. Now, let me say this. We said this a couple of weeks ago. People are important. In fact, your success is is contingent upon you being around the right people. There's no question. Community is a non-negotiable in your life. I hear people all the time make excuses. Well, I don't have time. I don't have time to be in relationship. I don't have time to go to community group. I don't have time to, uh, you know, I barely have time to go to church. Listen, you better make some time to build the relationships when you don't need them. So you will have them when you do. And so it's very imperative. It's a non-negotiable for you to have people in your life. It's not just you and Jesus. We went in depth at this two weeks ago. So I've already preached that message. But listen, his excuse had been the people. And I think a lot of times we are victimized sometimes because of people that have been in our life. Or people that aren't in our life. If I had the right people in my life, if I had the right friends. Well, my question to you is, What are you doing to get the right people in your life? Are you being friendly? Are you approachable? Come on, I know this is real practical today, but how friendly are you? When people try to talk to you, do you, you know, sneak out the door? How friendly are you? You are putting yourself out there. Well, you know, I'm just not comfortable around people. Well, you need people. So you're just going to have to get above and beyond your level of comfort. If you're going to get what you need, you need people in your life. You can't have the excuse, well, I don't have people, I I don't have people, or I've had the wrong people. So-and-so broke my heart, so now I have trust issues. Well, first of all, what are you doing giving people your heart? Let me say that. What are you doing giving people your heart? You don't give people your heart, right? In, In that sense, to the point that they can break it. Let me, let me tell you this, this, I will let you down as a human. I will let you down as your pastor. I will disappoint you. Some of y'all are like, amen. You sure will. You already experienced that. Listen, I will let you down. Your husband, your wife will let you down. Your parents will let you down. Some of your parents, you're like 30 years old. Some of your parents need to let you down, right? Your kids will let you down. Your best friend will let you down, but Jesus will never let you down. So our faith and our hope is not in people. It's in God. Many times he uses people to get us to where we need to be. And we've all dealt with, with let down. We've all dealt with disappointment, but listen, we control the condition of our heart. And I believe this man was bitter because he didn't have anybody to get him to the water. Right? He's like, well, if somebody would just get me in. And then he repeats to people later. He's like, but somebody else gets there before I do. Here I am, just another victim. I just can't get what I need because I don't have people in my life. I kind of wonder if maybe if he had people in his life and he ran them all off. I wonder. We can, we can lay in blame of people, friends, enemies, parents, abusers, bullies, Come on, political figures, religious figures. We can lay blame for all those people. But we have control of our hearts. 
You have control of your heart. There's nothing that can go on on the outside that can affect what's on the inside. Are you with me? You control what's in the inside. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control what happens in you. Can't you? And so we can't use people as an excuse. God wants people in our life. We need good people in our life. But at the end of the day, they are not an excuse for me encountering Jesus. And I love how Jesus just deals with the excuses. Y'all with me? If I just had somebody to put me in. Number two, the second thing, the second excuse that victims have is victims have uh, the excuse of methods. See this, even Jesus shows up. And this man is like the pool. It's all about the pool. I need to get into the pool. Do you want to be healed? Yeah, there's nobody here to get me into the pool. This man was wanting to get into the pool. So Jesus brought the pool to the man. Right? Y'all are going to have to help me today. Jesus brought the pool to the man. He wanted the pool, but Jesus gave him the ocean. So Jesus, Jesus is like, you think you want that? I got something so much bigger than some little pool that you've been spending your life waiting on. Listen, God's way is provision. God's way is healing. God's way is breakthrough. God's way is deliverance. God's way is salvation. But his means of bringing those things is not always the same. I love what Pastor Emlyn said about, about the offering, that God doesn't just want to bless you financially. So sometimes what we're believing for is a check in the mail, but instead the debt gets canceled. Right? Well, didn't, I didn't get the checks in the mail, but I found money. So sometimes, listen, I believe sometimes we're so locked into how God is going to move that we miss the move of God. So don't get so boxed in in your thinking. You, first of all, you can't put God in a box. But in your thinking, you can, you can box yourself in from experiencing the Lord. Uh, so, so Jesus will often, and we see this all throughout Scripture, will use unconventional methods. God is not into formulas. God is not into formulas. He's into relationship. Because what happens is once we get a formula... We dismiss relationships because relationships are messy and because we perform formulas. Because if I do this, then it always works. So sometimes we miss the move of God because we think God's going to move a certain way. You remember one time Jesus put mud on a blind man's eyes? Another time Jesus just spoke. Last week, Bartimaeus, he just spoke to him. He didn't put mud on his eyes. So what we do is we, 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 we make mud and put it in little buckets and sell it on Amazon, healing mud, right? It's been prayed over, right? And so why do we do these met? I don't know why we do this, but sometimes you know, there's nothing wrong with following biblical patterns. Are you with me? But if we're not careful, we'll start trusting a method and we'll, we won't be trusting the Lord. Remember Peter one time just prayed for a guy and said, silver and gold have I none, be healed. Another guy, his shadow did the work. Different methods. So we need to make sure that we don't look for for our encounter in a way that will keep us from receiving it. Well, God, I, I want you to move in my life, but it needs to be this way. Or it needs to be through this person. Oh, come on. Can I tell you this? I've received more from people that I that I have attention about, that I don't particularly like, that I have people that I love. Like there's people that like have ministered to me where the God is used to speak to my heart. Come on. 
than people that I love. I, I, I mean, I could listen to Bill Johnson like all the time and it ministers to me, but sometimes there's somebody that rubs me the wrong way. And what it does is it shows me it rubs you the wrong way because you're prideful. <laughs> right? It rubs you the wrong way because you're envious. Come on. And so sometimes we get caught up in the method or the person that we can't receive what God wants to do in our life. So what we need to do is quit living life like this with closed hands and just say, God, what do you want to do? I'm looking for a miracle here, there and everywhere. Got a little Dr. Seuss for you. Here, there and everywhere. God wants to bless you here, there and everywhere. So don't think, well, he just wants to move at church. I need to move from God. So I make sure I need God to do something in my life. So I'm going to be at church on Sunday. Awesome. But also look for the move of God at work. Also look for the move of God through your kids. Come on, also look in the move of God through your spouse. The move of God is here. It is moving. Are you so close-minded that you can't see it? All kinds of things. Our philosophy. Our beliefs, that's your belief system. You have a philosophy, by the way. You are religious, by the way. Oh, I'm not religious. You, you, should, certainly you are. You follow a code, don't you? You have standards in your life. So you're, I know you don't like that word, but you have a philosophy. You have a mindset. You have a belief system. Don't, don't allow your belief system to keep you from receiving what God wants to do when He wants to expand your belief system. Don't allow your experience to hinder you. Well, we tried that. It didn't work. Well, last I checked, there's a whole lot in Scripture about keep on trying. I thought the Lord told me, but it didn't work. How many times you try it? Once. All right. Our upbringing. Well, mom told me, mama told me, Great. Awesome. I'm sure you love your mom. You need to honor your mom. You need to honor your upbringing. But are you, you allowing your upbringing to keep? Well, that's not the way we were raised. Great. That's, that's awesome. I'm sure the Pharisees and Sadducees were raised in a certain way also. And it doesn't it didn't matter how pure the intention was. Come on. We need good upbringing. We need to be good upbringers. But don't allow it to hinder us. From the Lord revealing something to us. The, what we're taught. Uh, um, here's another one. Our opinion. Uh, well, I think. Great. Awesome. I'm glad you think that. That's, that's the way I am. When I give my opinion, I'm like, I think. Because I think that sounds a little bit more humble than this is the way it is. I try to say I think. But if I'm not careful, sometimes I'll allow my thinking to hinder me from something God wants to bring into my life. Or, or, or this one. Our personality. Oh. Well, that's. That's, I know, I know, but that's not really my personality. Awesome. That makes you the number one candidate. Right? Well, I'm kind of quiet. I'm kind of timid. Or I'm kind of loud. It's hard for me to settle down. You need to be in the Word. Well, I'm not much of a reader. Well, you need to become one. Listen, don't idolize your ideology. Don't idolize your ideology. It doesn't matter where it came from. If you're not careful and you keep worshiping that idol, God will reveal himself in no other way except for the idol that you've created. And that's not called blessing. That's called judgment. It's very clear. Read Ezekiel 37 about God answering people according to the idols that they've set up in their hearts. We've got to be careful with these ideologies that we set up that they're not idols. Listen, let me submit this to you. Your theology should be a work in progress. Yeah. 
Hear me? Your ideology should be a work in process. Your experiences should be a work in progress. Process and progress. So get out of your box and watch them do amazing things. Check this out. Psalm 20. I'm just going to read verse 7. It says, Some trust in chariots and some trust in in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. What is it saying? It's saying, you know, some people do it this way and other people do it this way. But we don't trust in the way that we do it. We don't trust in our ideology. We trust in our God. And so if God wants to do it through mud or God wants to do it through a word, awesome. I'm all in. However God wants to do it, count me in. And that's, listen, that is the yes that God wants to put in your spirit. That you wouldn't be so caught up in methods. Well, and I've heard people say this before. Well, I I just know that God's going to do it that way. I'm like, great. You just probably prolonged your miracle. How many know that God is more, God is very concerned about your character and he's not going to give you something that will screw your character up. So he's not going to, no matter how sincere your belief system is, if it's not right, God's not going to reward it. It won't be a blessing. I could say that all day. Verse three, timing. So number one, People. I got no one to put me in. Number two, methods. Into the pool. Number three, when the water bubble bubbles up. What is that? Timing. Timing. Right? We have this excuse of timing. You got to understand something. This was it was also the Sabbath. This day was also the Sabbath. So there was no chance of him getting healed that day. I I don't even know why this guy hung out there. I mean, I'm assuming he had been there for years. It only happened once a year. I believe in timing. There are seasons, sowing, reaping. It involves timing. It involves a process. It revolves revolves around a timeline. There are seasons, absolutely seasons. But my concern oftentimes is that we want to sound super spiritual by saying it's all in God's timing. Or gracefully saying, well, it's just a season. When possibly he's waiting for us. Maybe the season is now. Maybe God does want to do it now. Are you willing now? See, God wants your yes, and He wants your yes now and always. He doesn't want your yes later. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Well, and in the kingdom, listen, in the kingdom we don't live from season to season. We live from glory to glory. We know this. And sometimes we want it now and God says, wait. Other times God says now and we say, wait. Aren't you glad you waited? Aren't you? Aren't you glad you didn't rush the Lord? If the situation was right, if the season was right, if the timing was right, when we get settled in, when we get a house, when I get a raise, when I get a better job, when I finish school, when my kids are older, when everything is in order, just the way I want it, then I'll do what God has called me to do. Timing. I want breakthrough in my life, but it's just not the right time. Many times what we call timing is fear. It's just fear. 
And listen, timing, let me, let me balance this with this. Timing can be tricky for some decisions. It can be tricky. I understand that. And it's imperative. And scripture talks about the sons of Issachar and how they had the understanding of the times. It is important. It's important for us to be discerning. It's important for us to know times and seasons. That's important. But devotion, listen, devotion and freedom, the time is now. Your yes, listen, your yes is not later. It is later, but it's now. And it's later. God wants your yes now. And your yes now doesn't necessarily mean you're going to see the blessing now. But the yes can mean I'll plant the seed today. The yes can be I'll start making that decision today. We are not waiting for an event to happen. We are living from an event that already happened. Oh, let me say that again, because you must not have got it. We are not waiting for an event to happen. We are living from an event that already happened. We're living from the cross. We're living from the resurrection. We're not waiting for that. We're not waiting for our deliverance. Our deliverance has come. We're not waiting for healing. Our healing has come. We're not waiting for blessing. Our blessing has come. Our job is to walk in it. Get up and walk. It's here. Revival's here. The Spirit of God is here. He's moving now. You can ride the waiver and go, well, just waiting on the Lord. He's waiting on you. We had, um, last year, last fall, I, I felt like the Lord called us to pray as a church. And, uh, and so I knew it was a season and I was laying right, right here on the front row. We'd only had two rows, but I was laying right here. I was the only one there. It was the last night. It was miserable. Like I did this whole thing. I know I invited all y'all. None of y'all showed up. And so it's okay. It's okay. God was teaching me something. And so I was laying there as the last night. I was so ready to be done with these Saturday night prayer things that I was doing for like an hour. I was like, man, gosh, I'm so, I I text Leslie during it. I was like, nobody's here. And there'd only been like two people show up, I think the whole time. And, uh, and they don't even go here anymore. And so I was like, I was just like, nobody showed up. I text us. I was like, nobody's here. She's like, are you going to come home? I was like, no, God, call me to pray. So I'm going to pray. And so I laid right there and God spoke to my heart. And he said, don't let the fire go out. And I was like, what? There's no fire here, Lord. <laughs> you have to bring the fire. And I felt like at that moment that the Lord released me from that season but to prolong it to the to, to September seven uh, two thousand uh, not September but to the beginning of two thousand seventeen, and so two thousand seventeen hit, and I waited. Well, it's just not time yet. Oh, the church isn't ready yet. I know we need to do it. I kept talking to the staff. We need to do this prayer thing. I was real nonchalant about it. God spoke to me clearly, and I got to tell you from about. That time when God spoke that word, a little bit before that, up till June, I entered the most, I had a spirit of discouragement on me. I don't mean a demonic spirit, but there was, I was discouraged for nine months. It was miserable. You can ask Leslie. She was miserable. The staff was miserable. Some of y'all couldn't tell. Some of y'all like, yeah, I could tell you, you were going through something. Yeah, yeah, I was. It was hard. And you know what? One of the things that helped break that free was finally obeying what the Lord had put in my heart. Because I noticed when we started the furnace, about a month later, things started ticking again. 
the discouragement went away. But I'm telling you, I prolonged, listen, I prolonged the discouragement in my life because I was disobedient. Timing. Oh, Lord, it's just, it's not convenient right now. I mean, giving up my Saturdays. Timing. And I will say this, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. That means it's in, it's in your hands. It's here. You're not waiting for a move of God. The move of God is waiting on you. What are you doing with the move of God? Tommy. Number four. So we got people. People excuse. Well, nobody put me in. Got our methods. Oh, the pool. It's got to be the pool. We got our timing. When? When the water bubbles up. And number four, resources. Well, somebody always gets ahead of me. And there's nothing left. There's nothing left. Have you ever been kind of jealous of like a brother or sister in the Lord? Because they got something that you're believing for? Isn't it funny how we do that? That's not loving, by the way, to feel jealousy like that. So, I know that you feel entitled to feel that way. It's not okay that you feel that way. I, I, for me, I justify it every time. I'm like, well, Lord, I've been praying. Probably longer than them. Where is it? And it's kind of like, listen, what that is, why I feel like that, is because I'm acting like a victim. It's a poverty mentality. Because when I say that, when I act like that, when I act like that, I'm like, what, God doesn't have enough revival to send overflow church and the church down the street? Well, Lord, you're blessing them, and here I am. You're going to run out of blessing. I know, I know it sounds funny, but that's how we think. We think if somebody else gets it, I ain't going to get it. Like heaven has this limited resource. Sometimes we act like God's going to run out of the resource. And so we start playing this poverty mindset, this victim mentality. Somebody will get there first. Can I tell you today, there is enough. There is enough for you. There is enough for me. There's enough for everybody in the room. We are eating from an endless table. We are not dogs eating scraps from the master's table. We are sons and daughters feasting like princes and princesses. We are eating this endless feast. I love Isaiah 59 1. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. He knows, and his arm's not short. I love Ephesians 3.16. I pray that out of from his glorious unlimited resource that He may empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. His unlimited resources. Well, Lord, why, why are they getting my breakthrough? Well, your breakthrough's coming. Your breakthrough's coming. My favorite part about this story is not that this guy believed this strange urban legend, this myth. But my favorite part of this story is what, the, what Jesus tells the man. He didn't tell him he was healed. He tells him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And that's the word of the Lord to you today. Stand up.
Arise from your circumstances. Arise from your excuses with a simple act of obedience. You might not have the, I'm healed, or today's the day of breakthrough. You might not hear, thus saith the Lord. You're healed. But it might be, get up. Rise above your circumstances. Jesus puts an end to our excuses by providing solutions for our issues. Arise. Get up. It's not about the people. It's not about the methods. It's not about the timing. It's not about the resources. The river is here. Jump in. Get up and jump in. Number two, take up your mat. It's time for you to look down at that old dirty mat that you've been laying on for 38 years. Stand up, look at that mat and say, I won't lay on you anymore. I'm going to pick that bad boy up. I'm going to roll it up. I'm going to stick it under my arm and I'm going to walk around. I'm going to say, guess what Jesus did? Look what he's brought me from. I used to lay on this thing. This thing used to carry me. Now I carry it as a testimony to say, look what the Lord has done in my life. Take up your mat. And the last thing that Jesus tells him this is walk, walk. Your days of impotence are over. Move forward into your destiny. Start doing the things that you're supposed to do. Walk with the Lord. Walk with the Lord. Move into what God is calling you today. Get up. Rise above. Take up your mat. You don't have excuses anymore. Jesus dealt with them. And walk. Move into your destiny. Today is your day. Today is your day. Hey guys, Pastor Josh here. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast, whether you do that through our app and you listen every week or you're just listening for the first time. Hey, if the podcast is a blessing to you, if you would, you know, mention us on social media at OverflowDFW or hashtag OverflowDFW. We'd love to hear how we're being an encouragement to you. You can also email us at OverflowDFW at gmail.com. 